in 2004, a few years ago, I preached a message to this church and have been led, I believe, by the Lord to re-preach it today. Because we have some people in our church who were not with us in 2004. And some who were with us in 2004 have forgotten everything I said. So, I thought I'd give you this message again. I've been kind of hard on you the last two Sundays. I realize that. Now, I didn't lose any sleep over it, but, but it was been a little rough. Of course, getting into the new presidency and all this it, uh, keeps you kind of on edge, doesn't it? So I thought maybe, just maybe, we might need something a little encouraging this morning to know that we're living in times like these. And it's never a time to be sour and despondent and depressed. It's time to lift up your heads for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me this morning. All of us, I feel like, probably without exception, have been touched at one time or another by death. A death in the family, a death among friends. Those are always difficult times. And maybe this message today will be of help to you. I believe it will be helpful for me as well. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 21. The book of Revelation chapter number 21. And I want to read for your hearing verses 1 through 10. And then pick up verses 24 through 27. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 10. And then picking up with verse 24 and reading through 27. Revelation 21, verse 1. John said, I saw. I saw. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I notice how quickly it was done in verse 6. And he said unto me, It's done. 
told him in the first verse, he right, he said, well, it's taken care of. I'm Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end I will give unto him that is a thirst. Got to be thirsty. If you're not thirsty, you're not going to get the fountain of water of life. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Picking up with verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth shall do their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the title of the message, Your First Day in Heaven. Your First Day in Heaven. This world is not my home. <laughs> I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I just can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. When I speak to you about heaven, I am not speaking of fiction. I'm not speaking of fantasy. I am speaking of fact. Heaven is a real place. As real as any city on this earth you may know about. A real place. A real city with a real wall. Now I do like that, don't you? Has gates. It has streets. It has real foundations with real boundaries. It's a place of real people. It is the eternal home of God's people. The Lord Jesus at a time when his disciples were hitting lower than they had hit in a long time because he said, I'm getting ready to leave you. 
He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Only those who've been saved by God's grace will go to heaven when they die. When they leave this world, they will make a fast trip to glory land. Heaven is a mystery. There are many mysteries in the Bible. If you're a Bible student, have you ever approached something before in the Bible and you scratched your head? And that was 20 years ago and you're still scratching your head. Because there are many mysteries in the Bible and heaven is a mystery. We know so little about it. And yet the Apostle Paul made reference to it with an eye-opening testimony in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter number 12, verses 2 through 4. And this is what the apostle said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Now, he happened to think about this, about It happened to somebody 14 years ago. He hadn't forgotten about it. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one was caught up to the third heaven. Now the first heaven is the atmospheric heaven. The second heaven is where the planets are planted. But the third heaven is is God's domain. It's the heaven of heavens. And Paul said, I knew somebody that got caught up into this third heaven. I knew such a man. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth. Really, he's talking about himself. And he says in relation to that, how he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words. You'll say, well, that must have been the unknown tongue. No, it was unspeakable words, not grunts. Not half syllables. Unspeakable words, which it is unlawful for me to utter. He said, I'll tell you more about it, but God won't let me. Heaven is a mystery. Paul went there and was forbidden to talk about it. And he never did. I've studied the writings of Paul over and over again. Not one time did he ever violate that prohibition. However, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, he said this, As it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I have preached many times, sometimes about Paul's visit to Athens, Greece. I love that passage that deals with Mars Hill and how Paul entered into that particular area of Greece and preached to those people the glorious gospel of Christ. 
And I always thrill over that because he talks about the unknown God in that passage. And a few years ago, because of the generosity of this church, you allowed my wife and I to go to Athens, Greece. And uh, Brother Roger was along and his wife Crystal was there. And the many places we went, we went to the place called Mars Hill. And I could almost hear the apostle as he must have preached when he stood in that area. What a joy it was. None of us have ever visited heaven. Now once in a while somebody talked about that he went to heaven and this is what he saw. Very seldom will he talk about going to hell and tell you what he saw. They like to talk about it. Have you ever wondered what you're going to see on your first day in heaven? Have you ever thought about what you're going to do and how you're going to feel on your first day in heaven? The Bible does not give us a complete answer to that question, but it does tell us a little of what our first day in heaven will be like. And that's my message this morning. Number one, we will behold the king in his glory. That's number one. Before you see anything else, on your first day in heaven, you're going to see the king in his glory. Not as he appeared on the cross, bruised and mangled and pierced, but glorified on the throne of glory as King of kings and Lord of lords. I have read W.A. Criswell's statement that he made many times in a sermon he preached on heaven. And in that sermon, Criswell said this, When I get to heaven, I want to live beside the king's palace so I can see him as he goes out, as he comes in, and when he passes by. Isn't that marvelous? To be able to have a place up in heaven where you can see the king just walking by. It's the king's headquarters. It's the king's home. It's the king's glory. We'll behold the king in his glory. The most glorious time, I believe, of our life will be that first day in heaven when we see him of whom we sang thousands and thousands and thousands of times great gospel songs and rejoiced over it. We'll be able to see him as he is. In Psalm 17, verse 15, just jot the references down. David said, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. Job in chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. 
In Isaiah chapter 33, verse 17, Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty, and they shall behold the land which is very far off. That's going to actually take place. That's what the first day in heaven is all about. It's seeing the king in his beauty. On one occasion after the resurrection, there was one disciple that was really having some trouble believing the bodily resurrection of the Lord. The other disciples met for church like they should, but Thomas was absent on that occasion. And he came a week later, when he came in late, a week later for church, they began to talk about how wonderful it was to see the Lord. And notice what Thomas said. I just want to see two things about him. I want to see the hole in his hand, and I want to see where the spear cut his side. Thomas wanted to see the hand, and Thomas wanted to see the side. And the rest of them were about to have a fit because they saw it all. All. Not just two members of the body. He is described, the Lord is described in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verses 8 through 16. The book, Psalm of Solomon, chapter 5, verses 8 through 16. Let me give it to you. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, you tell him that I am sick of love. I want to love him. I miss him. You tell him if you see him, I'm sick of love. And a question is raised. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? I mean, listen, folk, a man is a man. Isn't that right? What is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women, what is thy beloved more than any other beloved that thou dost so charge us? Should not have asked that question because the answer is, is given to us. My beloved is white and ruddy. He's chiefest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves in rivers of waters washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with a beryl. His belly is as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. Oh yes, his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. The writer John tells about his first day in heaven. He spent it beholding the king. 
in the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, it is written, John says, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. I've never seen that, have you? Now, I believe it was last evening, seems like last evening, either last evening or a couple of evenings ago, Nora and I were having a meal and we were looking out the window and it was awfully blustery outside and the wind was blowing the trees and it was sprinkling a little rain, just a dismal time outside. And all of a sudden, right in the midst of that, the sun came barreling through. Wasn't there but, but a minute. But it, and the rays of the sun, it was almost like the rays enveloped all of the bad weather. How beautiful. How glorious. And John said, I was caught up in Revelation 4. The door opened. The first voice which I heard, underscore that. Wasn't your mama and wasn't your daddy. All right? The first voice I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me and said, come up hither and I'll show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Our first day in heaven we will behold the king in his glory. You see, a man in love with a maiden says many, many times, I cannot see enough of her. I cannot be with her enough. And so of our Lord, he will never tire and we will never tire of gazing, gazing upon him. Heaven will be his continual presence. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, if I go to heaven and the Lord's not there, it'll be hell for me. And if I were to go to hell and the Lord is there, it'll be heaven for me. Think of it. The first one you're going to see is the king in his glory. Secondly, We will behold ourselves in his likeness. Do you like what you see when you look in the mirror? You say, well, yes, I do. Well, you must be awfully young. Because the older you get, the more distasteful it's going to be when you see a mirror that's not being honest with you and doesn't really respect you. And shows you things that you would like for nobody to know about. We will behold ourselves in his likeness. Not in our likeness. But in his likeness. 
1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That first day in heaven, if you were to look into a mirror, you won't see yourself. You'll see the Lord. Because you've been made like unto him. We'll behold ourselves in his likeness. The purpose of our salvation is it not that ultimately we will be with him and like him and glorified. That's the purpose of God saving us. It's one day we'll be like him. In Romans 8, 29 through 30. For whom he did foreknow... Him he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. God saved you. He saved me that we one day would be conformed to the image of his Son. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And those whom he justified... He also glorified. Ephesians 1, 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. On your first day in heaven, you're going to realize you've been made completely holy and without blame before him in love. And that doesn't happen on this earth. Positionally it does but it does not happen practically because we all many, many times still revert to the old Adamic nature and do things we ought not to do. But then we're going to be in ourselves like unto his glorious body the first day in heaven. First day in heaven. Number three, on our first day in heaven, we will discover unending comfort and joy. In Revelation chapter 21, verse number 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Are you listening? There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, Many, many times when we wake up in the morning and we drink our first cup of coffee or we try to wake up and realize we are, we're living in another time and another day, we have a tendency to cut the television on to see what the news is. And if you pay close attention, the news will carry four items. Death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Your first day in heaven is going to be comforting because there's not going to be any more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. We will not take the former things of life with us. And that includes your cell phone. Huh? I have never seen such an attachment. Whew. To cell phones. 
My wife and I, we braved the storm, I believe it was yesterday or day before yesterday, and went out for the first meal outside of our home into a restaurant. And as we were sitting there, I could not help but notice a man and a woman sitting at a table together. I presumed either they loved each other or liked each other or were friends or maybe it was husband and wife. And after they ordered their food, he pulled out his cell phone and he started talking and started texting. And she pulled out her cell phone and she started talking and texting. And I believe one of them could have died and they wouldn't have known anything about it. I've never seen such an attachment to cell phones. My goodness, shouldn't have got on that. But anyway, you won't be taking your cell phone to heaven. That's another reward in glory. Number three, on our first day in heaven, we will discover, as I said, unending comfort and joy. Now, number four, on our first day in heaven, we will discover an unending day. An unending day. In our text, look at verse number 25. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. In the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, there will be no night there. And if there is no night there, there's only one unending day. The Bible says again, there shall be no night there. It is night that ends day, does it not? Heaven will be only one day long. Think about it. The day will never end. It will be an eternal day that goes on and on and on forever. We will not look forward to tomorrow in heaven for there will be no tomorrow in heaven. All we will have is one eternal day today. We will never run out of time. Your first day in heaven, we will discover an unending day. Number five, on our first day in heaven, we will participate in unending singing and praise. We'll spend so much time doing that. Unending singing and praise. In the fifth of Revelation, we read these words, beginning with verse number 8. The Bible says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps. I don't want to play a harp. And golden vials full of odors, that is incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. I do like some new songs. I don't like all of them, but here's one I, I really do favor. They sung a new song, and this is what it said. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Thou wast slain. Thou hast redeemed us to God, and thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. 
And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's more than 100 million angels praising the Lord. And they're saying unto him to receive power and riches and honor and blessing. And verse 13, all creation. Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Think about it. Everybody's going to know how to sing in heaven. Now, they don't down here. Somebody says, well, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I've never known anybody to carry a tune in a bucket. You don't carry a tune in a bucket. You carry it in your heart. You say, well, I don't know if people like me singing. They're going to love you singing up there. We're going to have glorified voices blending together, singing the songs of Zion. It's going to be a wonderful thing. Just the sound of blood-bought children singing praise to their king. Now don't run off. There will not be an Armenian in the bunch. You will not hear somebody talk about, well, it was my decision I got up here. And I let Jesus save me. He couldn't have done it without me. And it's my free will. No, there will be no practicing Armenians in heaven, just former Armenians. That's most of us. That's what we used to be before the Lord opened our eyes to the truth. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Now, would you stick with me, please? On our first day in heaven, we will enjoy an ending reunion. An ending reunion. We shall know individual saints but not earthly relationships such as wife, husband, mom, and dad. This may sound strange to you. Many people talk about the joy of heaven being reunited with their loved ones. Everybody in heaven will be your loved ones. You say, well, is any scripture to that? I thought you might ask. Matthew chapter number 12, verses 46 through 50. You might ought to turn to that. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. In verse 46, our Lord was speaking... And it said, when he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother 
and his brethren stood without desiring to speak to him. The Lord Jesus had been away from his family, from his brothers and from his mother for quite a while and he was close by enough that they went to see him and he was speaking as they approached. And so while he talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, interrupting him, Behold, thy mother, thy brethren stand without. They're desiring to speak with thee. And he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? Huh? Who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said to them, You're my mother. Come on. You are my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of the Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Have you ever wondered when Mary came to Christ and said, well, they're without wine. At the marriage in Cana of Galilee, he didn't say, Mom, I'm so glad you called that to my attention. Instead, he said, Woman, Woman, what have I to do with thee? He's talking to his mother. But Jesus Christ was insisting on stressing the importance that when you and I get to heaven, my dear friends, it's not going to be, I'm going to get with my crowd over there in the corner, and you'll get with your crowd over here in this corner. It'll take a while until we'll work our fond affections out for everybody. No, not at all. My dear friends, the people in heaven will be your family. Unless you got a better answer for this. My mother was in a rest home, a senior citizen's home, in Durham, North Carolina, shortly before she died. We've lived in Texas all this time, since 1960, and earlier on, 53, 54, when we came to Texas. And so my seeing my parents would just once in a rare while we'd get in the car and drive all the way to North Carolina. But on this occasion, I felt that it was a desperate time to go see her. And my cousin met us at the airport. If we flew in, whether we drove, it happened so long ago. But I do remember this. She took us over to the rest home. And I walked in the lobby, and we were given directions as to where Flora Cozart would be. And I walked in the hall. And when I, when I walked in the hall, I saw her. She was all the way at the end of the hallway. And her eyes met my eyes. She opened up her arms, sitting in a wheelchair. And she opened up her arms. Far as she is concerned, there were only two people in that rest home. Her and her boy, her son. Don't you understand 
that if you had the same types of relationships in heaven, you'd spend too much time with those you like. Don't you see that? It's going to be a different situation altogether. But it's going to be a more glorious thing than we've ever known. When we get to heaven, on our first day in heaven, we will enjoy unending reunion. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, Paul talks about the trump of God that sounds and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And those of us that remain shall be caught up together with them to rise together. I believe there are going to be some family members at that point that will recognize other family members being caught up to be with the Lord at the same time. Believe that's so. Peter knew Moses and Elijah. He never had met them before. On the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, hello Moses, hi Elijah. Had he known them, you're not going to know less when you get to heaven than you knew on this earth. You're going to know more. And everything you're going to be know is to be glorified thoughts up in heaven. Glorified thoughts. Not going to look over and see somebody got a brighter halo than you do. Well, I wish she would look. in. she strutting up here? No, we're not going to have any of that up there. Won't be that way. We'll enjoy unending reunion. We shall know those. We shall know those, but it will be in a different way altogether. This knowledge will not cease when we enter that city. Number seven, we shall serve him. We shall serve him on our first day in heaven. Revelation 22 verse 3, There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. All that the angels have been doing for the eons and the time of history that we have been able to know angels and how they serve. We're going to take over their job. We're going to start personally serving the Lord. The first day in heaven. Be one great church service. Now that's going to be a shock for some Baptist. Huh? What are you going to do today? Serve the Lord. Well, what are you going to do tomorrow? There ain't no tomorrow. Oh, we're up here just living today. Well, what are you going to do this afternoon? I don't know about this afternoon. I don't know what time it is. But I know one thing. We're just going to serve the Lord. You're going to enjoy that. That's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. Sad thing about this message. Not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody is going to heaven. While some are having their first day in heaven, others will be having their first night in hell. You have a reference for that? Yes, I do. The Bible talks about it in the 23rd verse of our text. Revelation 21. I lost my place, but it won't take me but a minute to get there. Revelation 21, look at verse number 23. And the city had no need of the sun, 
neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Wherever the Lamb is, there is light. The Lamb will not be in hell. And without the Lamb, hell is eternal darkness. I was reading the little book that is the threshold to Revelation, which is Jude. It's made up of a few verses, no chapters. But in Jude verse 13, it describes the unsaved. Would you listen to this? He says they are like raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. While God's people are enjoying their first day in heaven, the unsaved will be tormented in their first night in hell. You're going to go somewhere when you die. You're going to go somewhere when judgment begins to fall. And it's going to take place. Fearful will be there in hell. The unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars. But those who've been saved and forgiven by the grace of God will be enjoying their first day in glory forever. Forever. We'll leave it all behind and we'll want to leave it all behind because the first day is the greatest day of our life in heaven. Are you a Christian? Are you enjoying your Christian pilgrimage? I hope so. Because the closer you get to heaven, the sweeter it becomes. Let's stand please for prayer.